The Tumbling Saber podcast is powered by our powerful friends. Become a powerful friend for just a couple dollars per month and get exclusive podcasts, early access podcasts, random prize draws, contests, newsletters, and more. Visit patreon.com slash tumblingsaber and become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. Welcome back to episode 121 of the Tumbling Saber podcast. My name's Kyle. I'm Corey. And I'm Carlos. Welcome back, everybody. We've got it. We got our hands on a solo trailer, finally. Bizarre timing, but uh, hey, we'll take what we can get in this world. Uh, Corey, how you doing over there? Not too bad, not too bad. We finally got our trailer. Like you said, I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. And uh, other than that... Uh... Still winter out here, which is kind of odd. Not, well, no more, but... no more weather updates. We're not talking about the weather anymore. Move, move past it, past this part. It's, In that's fact, sad. Never talk about this again. No more weather updates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, uh, yeah, it was, it was a nice weekend. Did a lot of cooking and stuff, so it's nice. <laughs> when it's forty degrees, <laughs> you're gonna hear Corey. Oh man, I'm sweating. No, I, I'm it's never so one to complain. What? No. I'm not the complainer when it's hot, man. Like, I always tell people, don't complain when it's hot, please. So I, I don't mind when I'm sweating balls. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, well, let's let's just quit. let's just move this baby along. Uh, hey, Carlos, say hi. Hey. Hey. All right. Hey, Carlos is alive and well. Everybody's, uh, everybody's online and ready to rock this thing. Let's, let's, uh... Let's do what we normally do and just uh, update everybody with 44 days of waiting until the solo movie actually drops. Uh, so we we have two two minutes of solo footage to talk about coming up here in a few minutes. But uh, first, let's just get to our collecting update. Uh, Carlos, anything you want to share? I actually uh, stopped at the Lego store on Saturday with my son and picked up the Lego Brickheads Han and Chewie. Number thirty-nine and number forty from the from the line, and uh, yeah, pretty cool. Built those up. Uh, Chewie looks like a, a pet Yorkie. <laughs> the Han figure is pretty cool. It has uh, I don't know if you guys checked it out, but the the actual hair of the um, of the brickhead is uh, it's pretty cool, man. It's it's reminiscent of uh, Alden Ehrenreich, so you can't really, you know, he has that hair split down the middle thing happening. So it's pretty cool. And uh, and that's it as far as collecting. There you go, nice and easy. Corey, I, ex- I expect you to to go all over the place. So what what have you got this week? Did we lose Corey already? I don't know. <laughs> it seems like he's already <laughs> off the call. Wonderful. No, oh, I'm good. Oh, there I'm he good. is. All right. I was, I was I was summoned. Oh boy. Yeah. Oh dear. Put the red on air light on. Yeah, seriously. Let's go. Come on now. We've got a podcast to do on air. Let's go. <laughs> so yes. We're still on the collecting update. Yeah, but you you missed you missed your turn. You're done. No, 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 no. <laughs> I had to I had to get something off my chest this weekend, finally. Poking around on Friday and I don't know, I, I added several more robots to my Funko collection. <laughs> I finally got a <laughs> I finally got a three PO. Uh 
I, I pre-ordered them all online, whatever. Um, got the Robot Devil. The Robot and, Devil? Yeah, from uh, Futurama. Oh, I'm not familiar oh, cool. with that one. Oh, so funny. And I also got the Ready Player One Iron Giant, which is... Nice. Oh, sweet. Yeah, when I saw that. It's on do, not, but... do not let my son see that. Oh, or yes. Or buy him one. True. <laughs> yeah. <could> do that. <laughs> but, uh, That's a good idea. <laughs> I, I got a few more. Like, you know, I was telling you guys a couple of weeks ago, like, this is going to be a question on Sith Disturbers, and it still can be, but there's, like, loopholes, like, trying to veer away from the Funko theme, because I know if I sink my teeth into, like, a character line, I'm just going to want to do the whole thing, so I'm just trying to keep it... Uh, I don't know, just kind of weird and eclectic, I guess. So I, I got two examples for you because I, I purchased two more here. I got the Vulptex because it's the Vulptex and it's just so cool. And another one I got, it's comparable to the uh, Bob Ross, but I got uh, Mr. Fred Rogers. Oh, very nice. Yeah. I feel I feel like Mr. Dress Up would be a, a very ideal Funko Pop. Eh, too Canadian. So many people don't know who he is. Yeah, they could do Ernie an exclusive, Combs, baby. They can do an exclusive on that. Anyway, nobody knows. Yeah. So let's just let's just move right along. What there's, else you got? There, there's, uh, there's like eight Paul Dameron Funko Pop. Like I got one. I was looking at collecting them all, and then every time I check, there's like more and more different variations. I'm like, no, I'm out. But can you ever really have too many Oscar Isaacs in your collection? <laughs> well, no, but I mean, the Funko Pops don't look like Oscar Isaac. Neither do the six-inch black figure or the three-and-three-quarter. <laughs> he has really gotten the short end of the stick when it comes to getting a proper sculpt. Holy moly. The Disney uh, the Disney line, actually, um, what's it called? That Disney line? The one in like, that silver box? Uh, the Disney Elite? Disney Elite series, it actually looks good. Compared to the, the black series, it looks well, a lot, a lot. The black... The Black Series has upped their game in a big way in the, I'd say in the last three or four months to six months maybe. The face sculpts have gotten uh, much, much better. Uh, I, I heard something recently too that they're using some kind of new technology as well. So it's, it's come a long way, which is pretty awesome. It's about I was actually time. online again. Yeah, I was online again Friday night and, uh, you know, I saw on, the, uh, on that Star Wars Canada Black Series forum that uh, Rex was on sale at walmart.ca like online and i haven't seen him anywhere right so i was like okay i'm doing it i'm going on get online already sold out just gone but they had the the imperial guard which i bought <laughs> but that was the only thing i bought I, there was a dj as well at regular price and also uh was it island journey ray but i said am i really gonna buy that figure you know i already have like two or three black series ray the the island journey one it's like you know i could just do that thing where i can cut my sock and give her a poncho you know <laughs> but like what's at that point what's i don't know I, I only pulled the trigger on on the one imperial guard i really really wanted dj but i was like come on this, this is starting to get expensive now like my funko run kind of ran me up but i mean wolves coming out really soon tarkin jesus man it's adding up all the lando or the uh, mm -hmm. solos line yep and just another quick note. Oh my god, did you guys see Troy's nerd room? I did. I saw the oh I saw the god. YouTube video. I, I I trashed you in the comments. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never I'm never I have to say the the amount of real estate that he's able to dedicate to this. Like first of all, it puts my collection to absolute shame. It's so orderly and 
like unboxed. It's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, he did a, a, just a bang up job, man. And oh man, like, I I will never get to that point. Like that's 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 a lot of stuff. Yeah, and you'll get there. You just keep emptying your pockets, and you'll get there. Yeah, but the thing is, I just I won't have anywhere to put it. Like I'll never get a full basement to myself. That's for sure. Oh, ye of little faith. Mm. We'll see. <laughs> never say never, Corey. <laughs> that's true. If you want, you can display your collection here, and I'll keep it on. I'll keep it safe for you. Oh, one of these days, maybe this summer, we'll uh, we should do our thing because we have a thing. Well, I know you were saying you want to do a little unboxing video, possibly. Oh, that's it. Forget fun. it. That's never going to happen. <laughs> I can't get you to post. I can't get you to make a simple post in a Facebook group about the book. Yeah, do that. But still, just do that. Just do that one thing and restore my faith. <laughs> You st- you're not going to do it, are you? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Tacos. Oh. What's up, gangsters? <laughs> flicky, flicky. <laughs> hey, Gotti. Ay, ay, ay. All right. Well, I, I decided I wanted to just go out this weekend and take a quick little run. Because I see all these people picking up solo merch all over the place. And I figure, you know what? One day the sun is going to shine on me. I'm going to walk into an aisle in a Walmart, in a Toys R Us, and they're going to be there staring back at me. And it will be, my, 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 my time will have come. So I went out and I did a little toy run. And of course, it didn't happen. Like we, we just never get that fortune. But I did stumble upon a, uh, a three and three quarter inch Krennic. So that was my collecting update. Ooh. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Black yeah. series or or the regular Hasbro? No, yeah, just the regular regular Rogue One line. Oh, I never saw it. Down to three dollars and fifty cents at Toys R Us. Oh, get if you see it again, get it for me. I'll just give you mine. I think I bought two. Or, <laughs> I, I think I already had it. I just bought it. Yeah, I think he bought it. It was originally for Rob Wade. <laughs> I don't know what I did. I, I may not, I don't even know it any, anymore. I have a huge box filled with uh, TFA Rogue One. The Last Jedi three and three quarters, and I just keep throwing figures into it. I don't know who I have anymore, but yeah, Carlos. If, if I remember next time I see you, you can have it. I don't even really care. Nice. <laughs> I'm just You're kidding. I, I thought you guys would have been like, "That's it. That's your collecting update. Like, why bother?" Uh, but I also, uh, I did find the uh, Snoke figure on the pegs. Just not the throne Snoke, just regular old Snoke in a box. So I picked. I picked <laughs> the that six up. Inch? Yeah, yeah, the Black Series 6-inch, which I had never seen on the pegs at all, so I, I snagged that. Was that uh, TRU and Vaudroy? It was. I saw them. So I snagged that. They're disc- starting to discount a lot of their their Black Series stuff. So I, I only paid about uh, 18 bucks for that guy. And I also went online, and they were selling the Toys R Us exclusive Ray, the crate set with the little crate prop and all that stuff. So I bought that for 27 bucks. Which is yeah, a, pretty cool. Yeah, that's more like a statue, though, right? That's not like a non-opposable figure. No, no, it's a Black Series figure. Hmm. Which one? It's Jedi Training Ray. Hmm. Just with a few accessories. In retrospect, I don't think I would have bought it. It's, it's. I already have the figure, so I paid thirty bucks for a a big Black Series box and <laughs> a few little props. But anyway, it was toy. It's a Toys R Us exclusive. Who knows when, when, or if. We'll see something like that again. So I grabbed it. But you could also, they also had the Akbar First Order Officer two pack for 20, uh, 28 bucks, 
something like that. 32 bucks. Yeah, I saw that as well. There's a ton in the Toys R Us in LaSalle. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, it's actually cheaper online. How much was it? Like 32 bucks online. In store, it's still much more. No, it was still, the yeah. 29.99 of the one uh, that I saw. Yeah, it's it's when bizarre they... how they do it sometimes. Because mine was mine was was way cheap, was way more expensive. Anyway, that, the, that was it. I I thought uh, I thought I was done with collecting updates. I wouldn't be buying anything until Solo came up. But then uh, those two deals were presented to me, and I I could not pass it up. Yeah, I can't blame you, man. You're on the hunt. Yeah, I was looking for you know, like I said, Solo stuff, but. You needed a hit of the smack, bro. I, I know did. what you mean. I did. I didn't have, uh, you know, like, uh, it's not like I had the crazy disposable income this week, but uh, I haven't been eating a lot. So uh, I figured, yeah, I'd get the two, uh, the two little, the brickheads. So, you know, you got to make sacrifices if you want something. Well, if, I mean, they, they do make a nice light snack if you do get hungry. <laughs> Which one? The brickheads? Yeah. <laughs> well, I ha- you have to admit, Chewy does look like He's made out of chocolate. There you go. So, just just pretend yeah. it's Easter candy. Yeah, why not? All right, let's uh, let's jump ahead here. Let's uh, break into uh, this new theatrical poster. Before we talk about the trailer, we'll talk about this nice new poster that we got. What do you guys think? I like it. Not bad, right? Hans, Hans got a gun. Indeed. I mean, it's it's not the best poster ever ever made, but yeah, Han they they let Han keep his gun. <laughs> yeah, what a ridiculous thing that that whole story is. Ugh. Don't read the comments. No. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Corey? Yeah, it's uh, it's keeping along that same vibe, like same theme, uh, that orangey kind of horizonish look. I'm I'm digging it. I think they had they changed it a little. Like I, I think they scrambled over the last couple of weeks to actually, you know, change their scheme, their color scheme. Because they, I'm sure, a lot of their merchandising had the original poster, like that, because it's more of a clean look as opposed to now where you get more of that gritty orange look. So I, I my personal feeling is that they actually changed their their the you know, they, they tweaked their poster. It's possible. It's possible. Looking at, looking at it now, hmm. It almost looks with the binary suns and stuff and that mountainous region, it almost looks like an offshoot of Jabba's palace almost, but I I doubt it is that, but I think it's, I think it's meant to evoke that for sure. I was going to mention like, yeah, the, the, the two suns, those trapezoidal looking structures, it's very much meant to look like Jabba's palace, I think. We got two two Karelian Corvettes up in the air. It's pretty neat. It looks like that anyway. It does. You're right. And it looks like there's one parked up on a ridge. Which hmm. is kinda cool. Yeah, I'm digging this poster. I don't think it's I, I don't think I'm gonna frame this up and have it on my wall. But uh I I yeah, I dig it. I I think the for me the best part of the poster is the uh the Falcon cockpit. Like those support beams on the the wind the windshield, whatever you want to call it, so yeah, used as negative space. That that sets it apart for me. I'm such yeah. an idiot. I didn't even recognize that. I was like, that's that's imperial insignia or something. <laughs> uh, Are you new here? What a what a dope, <laughs> stupid. 
There's even a couple of beasts on the right side of the poster, right above Chewie's head. I think they're they're not Banthas, but I think they're all maybe made to make you think, just to tie it all in with that Tatooine look. Mm. Could be a Gundark. That's uh, not a Gundark at all. <laughs> Gundarks were in the Clone War cartoons. That's true. Uh, what else about this poster? Yeah, I mean, not not a I, not a ton to say about this, really. It's 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 nothing spectacular to be honest. Like it, it's nice, and it's keeping along that like Western theme kind of Western space theme. Yeah, the, I'm digging. Yeah, it's yeah, the orange, the red, the yellow, the the whole like shootout at dawn type or shootout at at uh, high noon type thing. All right, well there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're just chomping at the bit to get to the trailer though. Yeah, let's do that. Let's move yeah. Let's move ahead into the main event here. Let's talk about this awesome two-minute trailer we just got. Pretty cool stuff, man. So, really bizarre, though. I mean, it was, it was Saturday night, and it's it was early evening, I think. It was around 9 o'clock when uh, they dropped it on uh, Star Wars on Twitter. Really, really weird. Like, I don't yeah. understand that at all. And I, I don't mean any of this to come across as a complaint. I'll take new Star Wars anytime you want to give it. But in terms of marketing and gaining max exposure, to make an announcement on Saturday night is pretty much the worst time to make an announcement. I just thought that was the strangest thing. What, like, what, were, you, what were you doing? What were you like? What are you up to at that hour? Typically, are you waiting for announcements at nine o'clock on a Saturday night? You're just sitting around and then you happen to get a text from like your brother or friend saying, hey, solo trailer tomorrow. And you're like, what? Here's your, geez, your friends or brothers must have no life. <laughs> <laughs> but well, I'm, I'm, I, I mean, I was I was on Twitter anyways. So uh, just reading, reading the comments about uh, the last uh, hockey game of the season for our team. And um, blue, 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 blue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, Especially uh, the last few seconds. Well, whatever, man. That's just that's like that's the bowl to the cherry on the top of this crappy season. Yeah. Uh, but besides that, I mean, it, it was cool. Uh, I I like it because we get to talk about it, and unless people are recording now to release it early tomorrow morning, like we we're going to be one of the first podcasts to talk about the trailer. So. Uh, that's good for us. Yeah, that, that has that has a blessing and a I, well, there's no downside to it. Just we're we're flying by the seat of our pants here. We've kind of watched it a couple of times, and we're just gonna burp stuff out and see, see what happens. It's not like we've had so time. We to would really... have done that anyways. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, you're right. Who, who's kidding? Who? <laughs> well, it, it's a good call. Like I'm, I'm on the exact same page as you guys. Like I don't want to. I'm not complaining at all. But I I like what you had said, Kyle, about it dropping on a Saturday evening where like. The majority of the time, social media is not at its peaks, I guess. You know, people are actually out and doing things. Uh, the majority of the time, from what I can remember by memory, anyhow, is that most of these things, most trailers seem to come out on Mondays, which means for us, again, which we're kind of blessed. Again, like we're flying by the seat of our pants here, but at the same time, uh, it's kind of crappy sometimes to have to do like, two shows, well, record twice to, to make one show, which we'll sometimes do if we know there's a trailer on Monday, you know what I mean? So that's it's kind of nice that it's... It's new, it's fresh, it's, it's or it's just fresh off the press, man. Record, recording multiple times to make one show? We should talk to James and Ads about that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just going, jumping back to that poster, I'm, it's here on my screen. 
I don't know if you guys still have it handy, but look at Lando, Kira, and to a lesser extent, Beckett's character. It, it looks like they're wearing uniforms. I was going to see if someone's clue. Yeah, especially Kira and, and Lando. They're very, very similar. Yeah, and now we know the final, we've, we've seen in the trailer that their final uniform costumes are not in sync like this, but this is very intentional, obviously. I know everything kind of has like an orange hue to it, but Kira with the, the beige-ish, beige-ish jacket to match Lando's shirt with the black collar, these guys look like they're in lockstep with each other. The, the, the belt sort of slanted down in the same way. It, this is very evocative or very much telling us something here, which I think we'll get to just a second in, tra- in the trailer. All right, so the trailer kicks off again with um, more more of like this guitar opening that we saw in yeah. the in the teaser, right? Like as opposed to the the power chord opening, this this is more of a how would you call this guitar player, Carlos? Uh, a riff? Yeah, no, no, not even. It's um, it's tough to say, honestly. It's just. Uh, it's it's like um not ominous but like I don't I don't know it's like the, the the lonely guitar right just sort of the, like yeah. the, the lonesome wolf the lone wolf just plucking his guitar right it's yeah it's just like it's just it's just like plucking is a good is a good way to to to, to talk about it because it's like uh it's kind of like an intro to a bigger piece yes that's a good way to put it yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, sort of like a guitar player just kind of meandering, right? So kind of like we we would imagine Han Solo at this stage of his life just sort of drifting. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So when, yeah, when you listen to it, like it, it, I think it's it's telling you, oh, like get get ready, like something's about to something's about to drop, something's about to happen. And uh, yeah, uh, I, I I liked it. I mean, if we can, I don't know if we can hear this right now, but. Um, probably not. Yeah. Oh no, that's the old one. That's the old one. one. (laughs) So yeah, but uh, just to uh... well, here I'll I'll cue it up here. Hold on a second. I don't know why it's still playing. You're after something. There we go. Anyway, that's pretty cool. I like that opening. It's very different, which which I welcome with open arms. Uh, but we get this cool shot, this establishing shot of looks like an industrial park on Corellia at night. Amazing shot, looking up into the night sky of some star destroyers being built. That yeah, that's oh yeah, that what was a pretty cool, cool man, shot. When man. you see them, yeah, yeah. So again, this again, like I, this is what the fourth Star Wars movie in, in the Disney era. Again, using Star Destroyers as sort of that big, uh, just a big impact statement. Using like great cinematography, great angles, great composition of a shot. I love this. I love the way they use. They've been using Star Destroyers to uh, position the might of the of the Imperial Navy or the First Order Navy. Just so cool. What do you think, Corey? It keeps you grounded, keeps things familiar as well. And you just know that even though when you first see the movie for the first time, the whole franchise, you think, man, these things are so huge and like dominating. But like there's fleets of them, which is 
yeah, man. I, I like the fact that it's on Karelia as well. Like it leads more to that whole like shipyard and uh, planet. I don't know. Karelia is definitely not what I thought it was. Like I always pictured it like a very civil place, but it looks to be like it's going to be not not so much so. Like pretty seedy, shady, man. Yeah, I'm like a guy like Han Solo has to come from a come from squalor to some degree, to, from a very seedy place. I would imagine. Well, at a certain point, like we we still have no news as of his heritage and whatnot. It would have been nice to have seen him. You know, well, I'm happy, Han, on a nice planet, and then you think uh, Smokes is dad? <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Well, imagine that you're Han Solo on this planet. You're all your life. You're looking up at these starter stars being built. So it's no wonder this kid probably wanted to sign up for the Navy at some point, just as a pilot. Cause there's nothing else to do. You've been staring up at these star destroyers. To you, that's got to be the, either the coolest thing or your only option. Either way, it's a cool looking thing. He wants to fly in space too. I mean, that's that's kind of made abundantly clear. Like that's his passion. That's what he's seems to be born to do. I'm a driver and a flyer. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't like that. Like a flyer. Yeah, you're a flyer. Like call me Flyboy. Yeah, uh, it's just, it's just. Well, you could have said I'm a pilot. You know. I saw that sort of like the uh, pardon. You know, I'm gonna I'll use a baseball analogy here. Where, where pitchers, you can say that guy's a pitcher. That guy's a thrower. Like, there's some guys that just throw heat, but yeah. there's some guys that pitch. So I think Han's saying that I'm a pilot and a flyer. Like, he can fancy fly. He can do it all. Uh, but you know what? The, the, the comment... Oh, sorry, not, not the comment, but the, the shot of those Star Destroyers made me think to A New Hope in the cantina, where he's talking about outrunning Imperial ships, not the local cruisers, but the big Corellian ships. This is what he's referring to. Which I thought was a nice mm. little callback to A New Hope. And then an interesting voiceover from Kira, who's who's asking Han what he wants. Is it revenge? Is it money? Is it something else? I guess that's supposed I, to sort of pique our interest, get the intrigue up for Han and his motivations and all this. What did you guys take from this? I think that's actually really interesting. And it's a big question. I don't think we actually even asked ourselves at this point yet. Like, what is Han up to? Like, what is his end goal? Like... Does he like I almost expected him to say for a second fortune and glory <laughs> like honestly uh, other than that like what is he up to like does he just want to make a name for himself does he want to be known as the best of the best like I'm kind of almost seeing it that way like is it is it revenge I don't know possibly but he doesn't seem like the type you know no. it seems like he's he's just ambitious almost and kind well, of naive I, I, yeah I completely agree with you I, I I never have and do not see Han as the vengeful type so I, I don't think it's that at all. I, I I agree with what you said that he's it's this is just sort of the the life he's wanted to break into for all this all this time. Carlos, did that jump out at you that comment? Mm, not so much. Okay. Uh, I was. <laughs> <laughs> I just find it interesting. It's like it's a, it's a question we've never actually never even asked ourselves. Like, what is like we've kind of always assumed that you know he kind of just gets roped into this and it's going to be taken for a ride where he actually ends up coming up on top by chance maybe but it seems like there might be a little more to the character look in my in my head canon like i always thought han came from a well-to-do family and he made poor decisions and ended up 
doing what he does. Uh, and I think it makes the character more interesting. But seeing as how like he's from this the shady place and he's been running scams since he's ten years old, um, you know, it kind of undoes a little bit of that mystique as to why he does what he does. Like it, it makes it makes the character more simple in a way. But I, we're gonna we're gonna see for sure like uh, turning points and decisions that he makes in this film. Um, I guess we're gonna talk about some of the some of the lines also that that were quite interesting uh, in the trailer. But uh, that, that that to me is 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 what's cool about um, about this whole this whole this whole movie. Like I'm, I'm obviously I'm hoping I haven't watched it yet, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, canonically, he's always been an orphan. So yeah, he's, he, I don't, I don't know. We, I mean, it doesn't mean it, it does not mean his parents weren't these well-to-do folks. But uh, yeah, no, it's 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 really interesting to see. It will be interesting to see how his choices lead him to be the 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 guy from A New Hope. Um, Kira critiquing Han for being rough around the edges, which I thought is kind of funny considering they both come from the same place. Right away from off, that gave me an indication that it's been a long time since they've seen one another. Like you've changed, you've grown. Like you're you're kind of like you, you look good, but you know you can use a little polish there. But it's like we've seen them together. We've assumed that as younger people they were close friends, and they've. It, this seems like a first meeting again to me. And you know they're they're both in the same place. It's kind of coincidental or ironic for both of them. And yeah, she knows he's up to something. You know they, they were both street rats as kids. And at some point, there's a breaking between the two, and she goes off to become, you know, rising the ranks in the underworld, making connections, and Han is just completely lost. He's stumbling from one adventure to another, barely getting by, struggling, and then they catch up, you know, 10 years later or six years later, and now she's suddenly like, she either she's needling him or she's, she's sort of uh, got a very high sense of herself at this point. That's it. I think the the stakes have been risen. Maybe that's Han's motivation. Like, you know, she seems to have made it in the game. Uh, this mafia esque world that Beckett refers to, and like, once you're in, you're never coming out. Like, maybe she's made it to the upper echelon of that, and he's kind of like trying to been tagging, not tagging along, but trying to get to that same position as her, and saying like, "Hey, look, uh, I, I made it. You know, like our streets cams paid off. Like, uh, I'm not that dopey kid anymore, but really, he is." <laughs> yeah, he probably is. Uh, then we see a, a cool shot of Lando at the gambling table. I don't know if it's a Sabak table or the uh, Corellian Spike dice game table or whatever, but did you guys see that huge one-eyed beast? Tell me something. Yeah, I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking at it right now, actually. I have, it, I have, uh, I have the trailer uh, on pause right now, and I'm looking at it. It's, it's the way Lando reaches out to grab the chips and and just looks up at Han, and uh, there's all these aliens all around the table. Kind of looks like Rex is there. If if you, yeah, you're right. You to, that, yeah, that bearded right. guy, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. We we see Therm Scissor Punch, the delicious Therm Scissor Punch. <laughs> <laughs> and on the other side of Lando is a couple of, like shrimp looking guys. This is a very yep. delicious table here going on. That's going to expand those lists that you like to make so much of those polls. Absolutely, it will. We're going to talk about that uh, maybe in Sith Disturbers. How about that? Meh. <laughs> you shut your face. 
shuts your mouth when you're talking to me. So one thing we've learned from this trailer is that Beckett, well, Beckett mentions how uh, a gangster is putting a, a team together, which is sort of um, an elaborated upon statement from the teaser, which makes it sound like Beckett is the one putting together the team. It's re- This is really on behalf of the Paul Bettany character, Dryden Voss. That seems that way. It could be Jabba still, but yeah, all signs point to Dryden Voss. I was going to say, I love the look of Paul Bettany. Like, yeah, it's too bad you didn't get the uh, the Ryan Johnson's uh, scar treatment. <laughs> Could have rearranged that to be a little more uh, aesthetically pleasing. I was pretty, I don't know. I think, uh, I mean, I love this guy as an actor. I, I always have, despite like his sometimes albino-ish look. Um, well, he, he did play the albino, right? In, uh... Angels and Demons. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he looks great. No, I mean, it was actually Da Vinci Code, but uh, whatever. It's okay. <laughs> Is it Da Vinci Code? No, oh, I'm pretty yeah. sure. No, oh, yeah, you might be right. Let's put a hundred bucks on it. Nah, I'm rusty. <laughs> I need to buy the. I need to buy uh, Lego. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like uh, I kind of gasped a bit when I saw him there for the first time. I was like, "Ooh, oh my!" Like he, he doesn't like. I could have, you know, my head cannon was not going that direction. Like the the scars definitely kind of evoked a little fear. Yeah, look, he looks like he's uh he's been through some stuff, but he's, he looks he looks like he means business. Well, he he remember he's he's replacing Michael K. Williams, who was supposed to be this like space feline ish looking character. So they did a complete redo of the look of this guy. But yeah, it's it's he's he's no nonsense. That's for sure. I mean, we got we got to watch the movie to, to to see the character and say like, would this have been better as an alien, or like just making it more simple? Does that make it better? You know, I, I mean, Michael K. Williams is a great actor. Like, don't get me wrong, but uh, they, they could have just given him the same scar treatment and maybe, you know, uh, you don't have to you don't have to make everything so elaborate. Yeah, I know what you mean. Maybe they just, because of the way that they had to recast so quickly because Michael K. Williams was no longer available, <clears throat> that they just said, okay, we got we to gotta dumb down the design for this guy. This look doesn't work for Paul Bettany, who, for whatever reason. Let's, it's got to be more simple. Let's just scar him up. That'll tell a story about this chilling character. I like it. Yeah, so now, now we get some, some motivation for Han Solo here. Where he's talking, he's talking to the gang. It's at night. I don't know which planet this is, but it's we see we see uh, Beckett and Val. They're all kind of sitting around. Is that a campfire glow, Corey? Something like that, or one of those heaters. <laughs> or it could be one of those meteors too, from but, uh, uh, the honorable ones. Yeah, but I, I like that. It, like I, I got the vibe from the first trailer that it almost seems as if uh, Hans, like uh, in not in hiding, but just maybe even possibly stuck on a planet. Like he just gets himself in a heap of trouble and this ends up screwed and like just gets stuck somewhere. And this kind of could be his ticket off. You know, like when you, you see him in the first trailer wearing those, like uh, looks like he's wearing some kind of furs. looks like he's kind of, you know, fending for himself. Like he's, he's used to it by the time uh, he's on Hoth. Yeah, maybe. 
you know, when I, when I see the way he's he's sort of advocating for himself here, he's, I've been waiting for a shot like this uh, for a long time. It's almost like he's he's he knows he's knocking on the door of opportunity here, and he's just he cannot he can't let these guys get away without becoming a part of that team. And it well, seems like they're they, for him, and they snap him up right away. We see Woody Beckett giving a kiss to the DL forty four and tossing it over to Han. Oh yeah. I love that shot. And that that I think that's pretty telling. I mean, he keeps that with him right into old age. So I think <clears throat> we might have been wrong about Beckett. Because, again, I'm getting another vibe here, putting both trailers together, that uh, this is could be the earlier part of Han's life, or it could be the beginning of his new life once, you know, once this time span passes and he's getting back into the game after he kind of got screwed, maybe. But I, I, I think less and less that Beckett's going to screw him. Like, even though he delivers that line where, you know, uh, what is it? Just believe that everyone will betray you and you'll never be disappointed something along those lines. Right. Uh, I think he's going to stand by Han, but I think he's going to bite the dust and Han's going to like kind of admire him. And uh, yeah, I mean, give it, like I think that was a question on your questionnaire as well. Like, do we see how Han gets the DL44? Yeah, that's right. I did ask that question. There you go. Yeah, I think congrats, everybody. (laughs) Congrats if you said yes. I agree with you, Corey. It does seem like that uh, by Han keeping this, it's almost like a a token of that past life of the mentor that he that he had a lot of a lot of respect for. And that probably doesn't mean very good things for for Beckett. Or, you know, maybe Beckett signing his own death warrant here. Where he's telling, he tells Han, you know, don't uh, expect everybody to betray you. Well, maybe, maybe Beckett should have taken his own advice. Maybe Han inadvertently somehow screws Beckett. Uh, that could, well, it could work too. Like if Beckett does screw Han, like he can keep the gun as a, a memory of, you know, to trust no one, like he really told me to. But I don't know, it just wasn't getting that vibe so much this time around. We got caught. I made a d- d- deal. <laughs> and then we uh kira we find out that kira is the one that is is the connection the bridge to lando the best smuggler around so now that's how lando joins this group it's it's through kira which speaks to the poster that that we just talked about right yep oh yeah i wanted to back up just a second here uh back to where dryden voss is is the one putting the, the team together did you guys see it's it's the shot where the guys uh, Han and Chewie are walking up the stairs on that sort of wintry world. You see those big elephant looking tusks? tusks? Yeah. yeah, that's cool. You know what those I'm are, right? Right now. Olifants. <laughs> settle down there. <laughs> nope, it's not Olifants. It is what they call the Mythosaurus. Ooh. Do you recognize it? It's hard to tell from this angle, but if you look at it closely, that is the Mandalorian symbol on Boba Fett's armor. Oh, cool. Nice. So if I wonder if, if Boba Fett's going to play a role in this film. I wonder if it's in this hideout that he's – or in this area that will bump into him. That's a deep cut. Now, I got to ask you, Kyle. Did you pick that off yourself or are you, was that you perusing the internet? No. I, well, I saw this and uh, just, just as the trailer dropped um, – our our buddy Mr. Kigo dropped it. Came in and said, "Hey, check out it. second fifty one," and I hadn't quite seen 
the trailer in its entirety. So I was paying special attention for it. And he said Mythosaurus. And I was like, oh, damn, look at that. Good on Kigo. Yeah. So thank you, Mr. Kigo. But that's cool, man. That is the Mandalorian or at least the symbol on Boba Fett's arm. Pretty wild stuff. So I wonder if that's a, a foreshadowing in this trailer that uh, our favorite clone or is he a clone? Yeah, I guess he is, right? Yeah, he's an un- unaltered clone. That's right. So maybe he will be in this in some capacity. You think he has mommy issues? No. Oh. oh. <laughs> he's definitely got daddy issues. Well, I, yeah, well, yeah, I guess if you see your dad get beheaded, you might uh, you might have some issues right. with that. Oh, yeah, it's, it's clearly it's a, it's a theme throughout the Clone Wars. Indeed. Uh, so then we get a good look at Lando, finally. And Han Solo says to him, uh, I, I heard a story about you. Is it true? Lando replies, everything you've heard about me is true. That could really so backfire. Awesome. That could really yeah. backfire in Lando's face. That could be but a, then, a mo- moment the way they for cut humor. The, trailer, the way they cut the trailer, it's, it's, and then Chewie laughs at it because they probably heard something really like stupid about him. Yeah, like that's what that's the first thing I thought was like, oh, they heard something like really cheese or something about Lando, and it was shrinkage. Trying... It was really cool. <laughs> I was in the he pool, started... <laughs> like a frightened turtle. <laughs> I'm a grower, not a shower. <laughs> so, but do you notice the coolest thing about that shot is that like drink dispensing droid. Yeah. I could use me one of those. I bet you would love one of those. Yep. Uh, and then we get a good look at uh, L337 roughing somebody up. I got a very K2 vibe from that. You know what I mean? Just even her her response, like very not aware as to the extent she was going too far, you know, like not fully self-aware, like Lando really needs to kind of like spell it out for her. Which, so anyway, I got that, that whole K2 vibe and, you know, it worked up really well in Rogue One and it doesn't surprise me that they'd kind of try and lightly go in that direction again. It's a, a humorous droid. Yeah, I agree with that. The, the voice, the Phoebe Waller-Bridge's voice, sound, when it's all digitized like that, it sound, it reminds me a lot of Phasma's voice. Hmm. Like I thought I would, I th- I'm like, I was watching, I'm like, I know that voice. But then I just realized it just, it just really reminds me of uh, Gwendolyn Christie's Phasma. Uh, you're in this for life, Beckett says to Han. Like any good mobster, right? That's, uh, that's pretty ominous. It's like, no matter what happens, even if you succeed, you're still gonna, still gonna haunt you. Pretty much. Like, there's no getting out. Like. There's going to be prices there. on your head all the way through. Uh, then we get to the conveyor scene, which I think for me is going to be at, at this point, my most anticipated scene. That sequence looks like it's going to be such a blast. Yeah, we got confirmation of maglev boots. There's a there's a pretty split second shot there. You see it like the magnetization, like thunk. Yep, definitely. The range troopers look cool, man. I can't wait for that black series figure. Oof. Yeah, I'm getting I get anxiety, man. I think that's that's top of the list for me as far as Black Series figures go. The Range Trooper. I I need that figure. Mm, definitely want Tarkin, but yeah, it's up there. And then we this is where the the assume everyone will betray you line fits in. And I think betrayal will be a big theme of this movie. 
Uh, and uh, again, you get two quick cuts. Assume everybody will betray you. Quick cut to Kira, quick cut to Lando. And we know that at some point Lando betrays Han, although kind of unwillingly. So that, that would leave the question of, of Kira. Is she going to betray Han? We oui, mon ami. You think so? I think uh, I think so. I really do. I think that'll be a certain point of view thing. I don't know. I could see her. I could see that being a, a major reason why he is the way he is in A New Hope, especially with women. I don't, yes, I, I can. Absolutely. Like it could be the whole, you know, at the last minute, he's she dies in his arms. I could totally see that. Like, like uh, the girl from what's her name? Oh, the one who falls in uh, the last crusade. Elsa. Elsa, yes. I don't. I don't know if I see that so much as I. I don't know. I. I see that maybe she. She's kind of shifty, and she's got allegiances, and she's playing to the highest bidder. Like this is what. This is what's become of her. This is how she's climbed the ladder since splitting up with young version of Han. Is just being sketchy, and she saw an opportunity to, to stutter like uh, like DJ and make a better deal. And so, yeah, if I have to, if I have to throw Han under the bus, I'll, I'll do that. And that would be something that would certainly uh, poison the well for Han as far as, as far as women go. Carlos, do you have a take on that? Yeah, if, if something, something definitely happens to him, because like the next shot in the trailer is, is Han saying, I got a good feeling about this. <laughs> and it's, it's like. I wouldn't say a slap in the face, but it's it's a nice nudge, nudge, uh, to say you know uh, we didn't uh, we didn't continue the I've got a bad feeling about this type of thing. But it's also about his uh, transformation, his evolution as a character, where he's it seems like he's more optimistic. Yeah, and and then that that maybe that Kira betrayal or uh, the 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 Lando betrayal or whatever seems to happen, whatever is going to end up happening. Uh, changes him as as a character and um yeah i think it's pretty cool man Uh, so far like we're a minute 34 into the trailer and uh, i mean it's all good stuff man i haven't uh, really you know they they played a little bit too much and i have a feeling uh i'm just gonna preface this by saying i have a feeling that some of these shots are just for the trailer but when you see uh, right away at the beginning Han reaching for the DL, like the standoff, and then he unclips it, and, and you know, I think we might we might see it in the movie, but I believe there's a chance that we don't even go there. It's uh, very possible. The, yeah, it's something so, we have to be wary of. It's absolutely. But either way, we have to be still, wary of. It's still great for the trailer, though. Oh, yeah, I mean, like as far as I'm concerned now with these trailers, especially after uh, Rogue One, which really, really messed with our heads. Just give me the vibe of the movie. I don't, you don't have to. You don't have to show me what's going to be in it. In fact, I would prefer that you didn't. I would prefer to see completely different shots once once uh, May twenty fourth comes around. Switch it up. I don't care. Just as long as you don't list, mislead me uh, regarding the tone. It's all good. Uh, My virgin uh, eyes. <laughs> <laughs> a, a quick, couple quick shots there before we get to the. Uh, I've got a good feeling about this. Is the the Walker the ATST? I guess dropping out of the sky. Missed that. That's pretty cool stuff. 
Uh, that's actually just, I want to touch back on that. Uh, I got a good feeling about this, Kyle. Well, hold on. We're getting, we're, we're coming there. Okay. Yeah, you, you know, you're right. You're right. Uh, I skipped ahead. I'm about, uh, yeah, six seconds ahead. But like, uh, yeah, the, 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 the ATAT drops out of the sky and uh, there's a couple of blaster bolts. Uh, we see the Falcon uh, heading off through clouds. And, that's a great, that's uh, a great shot. And then there's like, multiple quick cuts so you got like the ATT one two three four and then you have five shots like you have five shots before you get to like the the i got a good feeling about this and they're all all in quick succession and i'm i have a feeling they're all from different parts of the movie like it's there's nothing sequential about it um but really cool like some awesome imagery like you actually kind of see the Falcon. It kind of makes you want to think that are they going to, are they going to Bespin? Like there's something about it. Um, yeah, it could be but, where, uh, to, where Lando gets his first sniff and idea, the genesis of his Tabana gas mines. Yeah. I, well, I, I got a vibe from that, from the, the Lando book, which I'll talk about on, on journals of the willing sometime. But yeah, I guess these all kind of feed into that Empire Strikes Back version of Lando. Uh, the, how about this really touching shot? The Chewie with his, which I, I presume to be his wife. Yeah, Mala. It's got to be her. It's got to be, Or right? his son. But it, 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 gave, it gave off a female vibe to me for sure. I think that's another questionnaire, question done down on your questionnaire. Uh, yes. I, I, don't, I don't remember what I answered. So I'm going to reserve judgment as to if that's his family or not, because I might have said no, and I don't want to be wrong. <laughs> well, it looks it, it looks pretty evident to me. Just no, that, that it it hit me in the feels, man. You yeah, never ever touch- ever see Chewie do anything like that. The only, the closest you see him really is like the way he is with Han and uh, and Jabba's palace. Like oh. we know Chewie's pretty affectionate, but this looks like uh, it it got me. Chewie hugs Leia. In the cockpit of the Falcon in a new in a new hope, and that's a pretty bubbly moment. Uh, right before the Battle of Hoth, Chewie ropes ha- Luke back in, gives him a hug. Return of the Jedi, he gives Hana that big hug after being melt, uh, fro- unfrozen. So yeah, but this this is different. This is on a different emotional level. Like this, this looks like goodbye. This is uh, this is the Han and Leia moment from the TFA trailer, where they say goodbye. He's got a life debt to this dude. He's crazy. I'm going to be gone for like 30, 40 years. <laughs> Which is nothing, right? In terms of Wookiee life? Meh. It's worth a little head head bump. Yeah, that's Honestly. it. That's it. I'll, I'll, I'll be back. I'll, a quick little road trip with this guy. 30, 40 years tops. Yeah, hopefully. He's a little, he's a little on the wild side. He's got tiger blood in his veins. And we had a quick, quick shot of Val with what seems to be some sort of grappling gun. And like we yep. we do not get a lot of, of Val. I don't know if it's because they're, she's not in the movie a whole lot, or if they're holding stuff back on her. But boy, oh boy, two trays, two uh, one trailer and one teaser, almost nada on her. I I see her and Beckett. I don't necessarily see them now being the scammers. I think we had mentioned this in the past that uh, perhaps her and Beckett have been together as a long a long time team. They've learned to trust each other, and they could be kind of like the old school kind of like guys you know the the ones that kind of play by the code or the the etiquette that is 
that domain or that work field, you know, like there usually is some kind of a code of ethics or unwritten law that they, they usually, they might probably play by, but it looks like some of the newer generation might not uh, respect those, those laws. Yeah, maybe not. We see that single cannon on the Falcon. I mean, obviously the Falcon is going to be all new, literally and figuratively in this movie, but to see that, that single cannon blasting TIE fighters, it's both cool and also really strange. I'm so used to the quad cannon. What do you, what do you guys think of this single one? I think it gets uh, <laughs> it gets rubbed off the Falcon at some point. Uh, I, I like seeing it. I mean, the quad cannons are cool uh, because you know in '77 I was actually it was actually kind of. I wouldn't say advanced, but it was a, it was a great idea, and the way they they cycled and fired, I really enjoyed that. Um, but it's it's cool, like that you know we know that eventually this the, the single cannon gets destroyed or or something to that effect, or just straight up replaced. Yeah, I think it's it's gonna be like, hey, look, oh, we're in a canyon, and uh, uh, whoops, giant space tentacles. Yeah, something like that. Maybe something rips it off. Well, you can, I can, I can foresee the Falcon getting all banged up in this movie for sure. Getting the guns oh, yeah, knocked definitely. off, getting the radar dish knocked off, and then by the time the movie's over, it's gone from this shiny, beautiful ship to, you know, halfway there, halfway to the piece of junk that we really do know. Who knows? Maybe it's just even. Maybe it's even really like. Maybe when you look at it, it's like Lando's like, "This is a write-off. I'm done." You know, like, and then Han's just like, "I'm gonna rebuild it." Yeah, peace well, by peace. I doubt it because uh, that's not uh, the story. If he uh, sees the Falcon, you go, "What did you do with my ship?" Like he wouldn't have wrote it off and then cared so much. Or he might lose it prior. We don't know. And then we, now we can come to. I've got a good feeling about this, Corey. I just want to say that that that's from Star Wars, the Star Wars universe. You know who else likes to say that line, Kyle? I've got a really good feeling about this. I I have a good feeling about this. I don't know. Feed me. Ezra Bridger. Did he really? Yeah, he said it multiple times throughout the, the series. I like that. It's a nice little... It distinguishes him, you know? Like, it, it's not the old... I have a bad feeling. He's so optimistic. Well, yeah. And that's what this is, right? It's 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 a, the inverse of Han, where he's he's actually optimistic for a change. We see Han wanting to be part of things. We see Han looking at you know this kind of thing, going, "Hey, I like our, I like our odds here. This is pretty good. Like, this is a totally different Han." I'm really interested to see how this plays out. All right, we're getting towards the end here, guys. <laughs> I mean, this this is a really funny part of the trailer. Uh, since when do you know how to fly? I guess maybe <laughs> Chewie's decided that this this Han guy doesn't know what he's doing, so he's gonna uh, give. Han a bit of an assist as a co-pilot. This is, I guess this is where Chewie owns, uh, earns his co-piloting chops. Han says, since when do you know how to fly? And Chewie roars back, 190 years old? You look great! <laughs> I like that. That, that's, that, yeah, that I, I think that was a is, standout moment. That for me is the type of humor I am, I'm really looking forward in this movie. Perfect. It kind of leaves the question though too, like if he doesn't know that he's 190, like at that point in the film, how long have they actually been together? I'm getting the impression that it's been a while. 
Uh, you think? I don't know. Maybe at least point. It, it is because it looks like there's a lot of time jumping, but I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of figuring at that point, maybe I don't know if they meet during this mission. I'm getting the impression that when when Beckett comes to Han and asks him, you know, like, you want to be a part of this team that, the, yeah, well, it's a package deal, me and the Wookiee, you know. Uh, maybe. Well, I, like Chewie's always the sort of the guy on, behind Han going, no, 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 <laughs> this is a bad idea. Then we see, we see a, a cool shot of Dryden with some kind of electric whip. Yeah, it looks pretty powerful. Yeah, and he's throwing a bit of a tantrum, right? Has, has he been double-crossed? Cargo Solo dropped his cargo. Solo dropped his cargo. Kira double, you know, double agented him. Who knows? Or, or maybe Beckett pulled the rug out from under him. They sold the shipment to somebody else. Who knows? But it looks like Dryden is some kind of pissed. But if he's gonna throw this this kind of tantrum, like he's gotta, you'd have to see the aftermath of that. So I'm curious to see what, like, how just how big of a role he plays in this movie. It's, it's, it seems to me he's gonna have a much bigger role than I originally thought. And then, anyway, that's that kind of brings us to the end of the trailer. We see a bunch of a few more quick little shots of things, a lot of things we've seen before. You know, a lot of gunplay, a lot of uh, the conveyor stuff, and then of course, well, there... truly spikes a guy though. Ah, that was sweet. Oh, right on the yeah. head. Yeah. You, f- you feel like he's going to land on his shoulders or his back, but no, it's like dead on. Yeah, he's not He's not messing around, man. He, he literally spikes a dude and it's like, like oh. I'm watching it. I'm watching it again now and it's, oh man, it's freaking awesome. Like, just how pow- unleashed. powerful, just how powerful he is. Like, is that when, is that when Han like frees him or, you know, we don't know, but I, I mean, I'm really psyched for this movie, guys. <laughs> like, because it kind of looks like a prison hallway, like something that's in, um, let's say, uh, under Jabba's palace or something like that. That's when when you see that scene. Uh, I don't know if you guys uh, have it queued up at all, but uh, man, it's pretty sweet. Well, it kind of looks like he's in a hallway underground or something. It could be that a bar fight type scene. Hmm. They have to fight their way out of a club. Because, I mean, there was also uh, a report way back when. Um, remember, we, we ta- I don't know if we talked about this, but there was a, a gonk-looking droid with, like, saws for arms, and it seemed like it was built for battle. Like, I wonder if that if, if they kind of get boxed into this underground club and they have to fight their way out. Maybe L3 has to fight this uh, dangerous gonk-looking droid. I think... I think uh... L3's a write-off. You think she's toast? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not I mean, well, we know he's, he's got another droid by the time Rebels run, rolls around. Well, this has got to come pretty close, doesn't it? To the Rebels timeline? Yeah, it's shooting around there. I mean, this, I imagine this to be about like six years before A New Hope. And Rebels at that point was where? That was, I don't know, four, four years? So yeah, he gets a new droid, but may, like L3's been, like a lot has been made of L3, that she's this, this super independent droid. She doesn't work for Lando. She's not Lando's droid. She, she's partners with him. So maybe at some point she's just like 
sayonara, I'm out. Because she seems at some point in the trailer saying, I'm so glad we took this job. Like, she seems stressed. Maybe this is not the life for her. Uh, I, I, I actually sounded genuine. I heard genuine excitement there. You think? Well, I, I was... Yeah, like I like K2. Yeah, maybe. I like that scene where Chewie's hanging out of the uh, that maglev train or whatever, and oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, a tense little <laughs> note to leave it, leave the trailer on. Hey Corey, this is for you. If you look at L 3s uh, head, does it remind you of uh, Lobot? <laughs> a little. It kind of actually reminds me a lot more of a Roomba. Nah. <laughs> All right, well, that kind of brings us to the end of the trailer. Not, not a whole lot about the Kessel Run here. Unless... No, we... I, I think yeah, we, we see the jump even almost. It very well possibly could that be that, where Chewie's there beside him and, you know, it's like, punch it, whatever. And it looks like they're still in the midst of that. And whatever, when they're making the jump, it all looks pretty precarious. But we, we don't spend a whole lot of time there, right? Oh, no, it's a quick, I, it's a quick cut. Like we see a little bit of it, but it's it's a quick I, cut. It's it's at like one forty six seven. Personally, I hope that's not it, because I mean that would be a bit anticlimactic. But uh, farewell possibly could be. Looks like a very harrowing escape. Yeah, looks exciting, man. I'm excited for that. I, I, Carlos, speaking of Kessel, I wonder if seeing Chewie slam that that guy. I wonder if that's in the minds of Kessel. Mm, perhaps. Is that that's where he's he's prisoner? Possibly. Okay, so we don't have a definitive we don't know for sure. Uh that that'd be cool, man. That would be really, really cool if that was the if that was the case. Yeah, I think that'd be pretty cool. This is like a whole this all out brawl as the Wookiees make their escape. And Han, Han's all like, leave the man dog alone. <laughs> <laughs> Beckett was in this trailer a lot, both by voiceover and uh, just visually. So I, I wonder if he plays a much larger role in Han's upbringing than we originally thought. I'm very curious about that. So, uh, well, he picks him right. He picks him to be part of the crew, and then he he kisses his DL44 goodbye and gives it to him. So maybe he's he takes on the the father figure role for uh for han uh either way i mean woody looks awesome so i hope he tells him something man when he gives him that gun like just remember kid when you're using this baby you always shoot first yeah i could yeah. You, can, you can imagine something like well you know what no i i don't think they would do that because then you'd you'd have the clickbait sites going oh look what they did that's a that's a, yeah, that's, a, that's a middle finger to george lucas I've already Googled some stuff here tonight, like as we were podcasting about like this trailer and whatnot. Uh, I've already seen, it's not a clickbait article, but it's like huge Chewbacca news revealed. And it's about him being 190, which in my estimates is a little low from what I know canonically at this point, but uh, who knows? Well, in, in he, A New Hope, he's, they describe him as 200 years old. So there you go. Give or take. <laughs> But either way, like people are like shocked at this, like a huge Chewbacca reveal in the trailer. Like, yeah, I guess for the average person or the average fan, like that, that, people who don't know, it's going to be a pretty cool news. 
Yeah, I mean, he's still he's still a young Wookiee. I think they, I, the lifespan of a Wookiee is like four or five hundred years. He's got his whole life ahead of him. I'm going to start a new Twitter account, and it's going to be at Settle Down Clowns. <laughs> and it's but, going to be just like <laughs> dedicated to, to Star Wars fans who freak out over everything. I would, that, that account's got to be taken already. Settle Down Clowns? Yeah. Hmm, I'm guessing. I don't know. Well, it will be if I don't do it by the time this show airs. <laughs> so, guys, are, are, lastly here, are, are we buying Aaron Reich? Oh, yeah, I'm all in. I saw a lot more Han Solo, like Harrison Ford Han Solo in this one. If you pay attention for it, you could see a lot of his mannerisms. Uh, just even like, this was in the first trailer, but when he's breathing there uh, in that car, when he's getting away, like the... <sighs> Like when something happens behind him, like the the turnaround, the look behind, uh, I could see that being Han too. Yeah, he got a lot of the facial tics, I think. Yeah, I'm I'm the, in. the the voice The voice for me is a bit of a miss. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean, you know, what can you do unless you 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 don't hire an impressionist to act? No, no. So, well, in that regard I, too, you can kind of say. Uh, uh, Donald Glover as well. Like I wasn't, I was seeing, I was seeing Lando in the new Lando, but I wasn't hearing the hello. Yeah, it's well, it's the vibe they have to give off, right? They can't. You don't want these guys just doing impersonations. You want them to embody the character, give off the vibe of the character, but you don't want them trying to do Harrison Ford or Billy D. Williams. No, because then that becomes kitschy after, and then why did you fire Lord and Miller then? Like. If if that's what you're trying to stop from happening, you yeah. need it to be natural, right? Yeah. So you brought in these actors, let them do their, let them be them. Anyway, forty four days to go, guys. I am super excited for this movie now, all and all it's in. it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough wait. <laughs> anyway, guys, uh, let us know what you thought of the trailer. You can post that up uh, in the in the tumbling saber group. Let us know anything that that uh, we goofed on. Because we're again, we're just we're doing this fairly fresh. We just looked at this uh, about an hour ago, as we as we were podcasting. So, let us know your thoughts. Let us know uh, if we if we tripped up on anything, if we missed anything. Uh, happy to get educated here. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna grab a quick little break, and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about some cool stuff. Man, you guys came up with some good questions this week. So we'll do we'll do that in the binary sense that coming up. Evening chaps, hope everyone is fine and dandy and you've all had good weeks. I'm sat relaxing now, looking forward to a weekend of the Masters, uh, the golf, and watching some of the best players. They have been, every now and again, signing golf balls and caps and you know various other accessories for their fans. So I know, Carl, you've got that game that you've got various signatures for over the years, but what other Star Wars memorabilia would you want to get signed and by whom? So for me, I've got an old uh, an old book, an old album of the Return of the Jedi, uh, the sort of storybook style. I think that's what I would choose to, to get signed by someone. Although I have got a Tumbling Sabre t-shirt as well. That would be pretty high up on the list. Um, so have a little think, have a play around with it. Enjoy the show, and I shall, as always, look forward to listening. Take care. Bye. 
There goes ads once again. I love these kinds of questions. I love them to death. Guys, do you know who won the Masters? I was not in the loop whatsoever. I did hear. I don't remember his name, but uh, it was his first first uh, major win. First major win or first win period? First majors win. Okay. Hey, good for him, whoever he is. Doesn't He-Man usually win the Masters? <laughs> Masters of the Universe, no. Oh boy, that would, wow, that would be that would be slick. He probably would yeah. if he did, if he did, if he participated. Anyway, so guys, uh, what Star Wars memorabilia would you want to get signed, and by whom? Carlos, do you have any? You're not a huge collector, but I imagine you might have something very specific. I do, and I have one thing, and it, some people are going to be angry at me, and uh, if. So, I, I mean, I could take it. You could just uh, at me on Twitter, at Chop Rules with a Z. <laughs> um, <laughs> at least you got it right. <laughs> um, for me, it's the poster of Leia. Uh, so I'd love to have a Leia poster signed by Carrie Fisher. Hey there, big fella, Carrie Fisher. Uh, with a slave bikini. I, and I know people are going to be like, oh my God, that's a fact that. But like, um, <laughs> it's it's not a question of that. It's just, I mean, um, she was my first love. It's it's not hard. Like, I I've, I think I've said this before on, on the show. Uh, I just, I loved her. I, I, uh, I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, tell her that I loved her. And she said, I know. Like there, there was, um, you know, a, a deep-seated like just I want to protect this woman type of thing, and it's not that women need to be protected, or uh, or or any of that. It's just, I mean, it's from my childhood, and if there was one thing I could have signed, it would be uh, that from Carrie Fisher. And obviously, it's it's impossible now, but um, yeah, that's my. My dream memorabilia autograph. I, I look at my my signed Carrie Fisher picture every day now, and I'm just so happy that I made that call back in, jeez, 2002, maybe 2000. Yeah, it's had to be 2002. And I, I gave my buddy the green light because he went to Star Wars Celebration, and she was going to be there. I said, "You you buy that for me, and you get her get that signed." And he did. Awesome. Uh, Corey, what, what, do you have do you have anything that you'd want to get signed? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, Christ, I get anything signed, really. Like, I'd get a napkin signed if I could. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's funny, Carlos said that. Like, I actually had so sad, man. I'm, I left so much stuff at this place, which oh, upsets me. I dream about this stuff. Like, I had a T-shirt collection, a beer glass collection, but I left a whole bunch of stuff at the house that we we moved in 2014. And a lot of stuff got left behind, and uh, I had this laminated Carrie Fisher, like slave Carrie Fisher, where she's just lying on her side with her, you know, holding her head up with her hand. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, and it, it was it was it was signed, but like fake signed, you know, like it was just a print. But it was still kind of cool. Like I can't believe I left that behind. But uh, vintage stuff. I mean, I don't really have much of that. Kyle kind of got his hands on most of our early stuff, and I'm thinking toys, you know, like. I would probably opt for a poster where I can get as many signatures as possible. 
or possibly I, I really dig my my poster book. It's like a good two, I don't know, two hundred something pages of just different posters. So if you can get them signed, like kind of individually, either by the artist and or the the actor that or the character that uh, that's predominant on the page, that would be pretty sweet. So all in all, nothing specific. <laughs> no, I like that. I like that tumbling saber idea as well. That would be pretty cool. That would be cool. Um, I got a bunch of things. Uh, I'm going to leave my Trivial Pursuit board out of it. Um, but I think like, much like ads, I'd want George Lucas to sign my, my, I think it's a fifth printing Star Wars novel. I've got two of them. I have, I have like a fifth and a seventh printing or something like that. But I'd love to get George to sign that. That's pretty sweet. Uh, my Star Wars issue number one from 77. I, I'd love to get that signed by, by Roy Thomas and Howard Chaikin. Right, Corey? Howard Chicken? Ooh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you turkey. <laughs> I could have been halfway there. I could have been somebody. Uh, I'd, I'd love to get Charles Sewell to sign a bunch of my books. A bunch of Darth Vader. Like all the Darth Vader stuff. I'd love to get that done. Uh, That's a good call. Yeah, that would be so cool. And just, I mean, if you, if you get him to sign it, that means you also get a chance to talk to him. And I would love to talk to him about, about his work. Um, Mark Hamill, I would, I would get him to sign the X-Wing Luke figure. And then I would immediately get that thing CGC'd. I know there's a, there's a, oh, yeah, big time. There was a toy equivalent to that. I, I don't know what it's called, but I would, that's, I would immediately pay whatever it costs, maybe, maybe up to a hundred bucks for a toy to get graded. But I would, you know, I'd, I'd pay the, the money for the signature and then pay the extra for the, uh, the evaluation and that thing would just get locked away forever. And whoa. no way. I thought you said you're going to get it CGC'd and then hand deliver it to your younger brother. <laughs> That's funny guy. Um, and I would also get, I would, I would love to have John Williams signature on uh, my, my vintage, a new hope vinyl. Oh yeah, definitely. That's what I was going to say too. And the Godfather too. Like it would be, how cool would it be? Like I was actually looking at this Kyle for your, uh, your 40th birthday. Like, and there was one I saw it like three hundred something. It was U.S., but still, like I was like, oh, I almost, I almost went for it. But then uh, thinking about it, like the other signatures were just so much more expensive that something wasn't adding up. But uh, John Williams and Lucas on the same either vinyl or whatever it is, you know, yeah, that's, laser disc. That would be something else. Now, I would, I would love to have like, you know, the Vanity Fair covers. That you know, we get them for the saga movies, starting back with with Phantom Menace. I'd love to have all the people on those covers to sign those Vanity Fairs. That would make that super amazing. But yeah, there's. I mean, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, there's. I've got a lot of still boxed uh, action figures that I wouldn't mind having signed. But that that list of six things, that's pretty much. I think that's top of the list for me. Once I unbox my whole collection here in my closet, I will uh, no doubt find a bunch of things that, oh man, I would way prefer to do this. But yeah, that's that's about it. Ads, there you go, sir. Thank you. All right, let's jump ahead to Bradley. Some Bradley banter this week. Hey guys, Bradley here with this week's Star Wars question. So uh, Jordan, my Star Wars friend at work, he and I were talking today 
about The Force Awakens and specifically talking about R2-D2 and why did he not just give them the missing part of the map that they'd been seeking? Why, why didn't he give that to them sooner rather than later? Because when you, when you think about it, now I know, I know the ultimate reason because that's just the way they wrote the movie and that's the way they wanted everything to play out to make it work to uh, you know, their script and, and all that good stuff. I understand that. But when you look at it from the point of actually being in the Star Wars world, it's, it's just odd. You know, he's around BB-8 who has, um, you know, the other part of the map. And at any time, it seems like R2 could have woken up and said, this is the mis missing piece and, you know, all would have been well. But why does R2 stay dormant, you know, not come, not uh, reboot, turn on, come to life? Why, why doesn't he do that? Why doesn't he do that? That sounds funny. Why does he wait till Ray shows up before he comes to life? You know, like, my, like Jordan was saying to me today, he was like, you know, when, when he was basically turned off and not talking to anybody, and then Ray shows up and then he turns on, he said just because of that, he was convinced that she was a Skywalker, that she was Luke's daughter, just because of that. Because he wouldn't just come on, you know, turn himself on to anybody. He was going to turn himself on to, um, you know, someone who is important, someone who is connected to Luke, someone who Luke would want uh, that person to find him. So... You know, I'm just confused. I'm not, sh you know, I'm not too sure um, exactly wh what they were thinking there. And so my question is, do y'all have any, uh, you know, information on this? Is it explained in a book somewhere? Um, have you read something uh, online somewhere or seen some explanation for uh, why he doesn't, you know, why he waits until Ray shows up before he actually comes to life? So, yep, that's my Star Wars question this week. Um, hopefully, y'all have the answer. Um, y'all did a great job answering Avery's questions last week. Um, I, kn I, knew, I, I knew they were really easy questions, but I just uh, thought it was kind of cute for her to uh, get to, to share those with you. And, uh, you know, I'll, I love what y'all have to say, even when they're obvious and when they're, you know, kind of... Uh, technical or real world type questions where it's just like uh, you just got to suspend belief here it doesn't matter and it's in your right it doesn't matter but uh it's fun to see you know when your kids are thinking through these things and going you know something isn't quite right here something something's not you know adding up and it, it's kind of neat that they uh you know that that they think of those things and uh, you know point it out point it out and uh you know, like to bring it up and talk about it. So, yep. So there you go, guys. Hope you all have a great podcast and, uh, and a wonderful week. And may the force be with you. Bye. All right. There goes Bradley once again. Thank you, sir. Um, guys, who wants to take a stab at this one? Why didn't R2 just 
wake up. Guys, oh, there there you are. Here's the map. Why why didn't that happen, Corey? Why wasn't that a thing in The Force Awakens? I think there's a couple of reasons. Uh, we've, we've talked about it, I guess, well, years ago now, but I, I kind of did a little research just to refresh my memory, but uh, everything that came up that I had looked at anyhow, kind of, I was like, okay, yeah, I now remember. But um, Yeah, because there is an answer to this, right? Yeah, there, there's a couple of answers, really. Um, first and foremost, you know, R2 is such a huge character, so they, they need to give him a proper intro. And not only that, like, it was... Uh, part of a plot device and storytelling utility. It's like, so you drop this bomb with this amazing character from the past that makes it all that much more significant. Um, the backstory they kind of wrote kind of said that, you know, in a new hope where R2's digging around with the, the Death Star database, he ends up downloading the entire Imperial network kind of like their entire information system so the time that he's asleep, he's kind of processing that information. Now, it seems a bit coincidental that he wakes up when he does, but it's kind of, uh, there's a couple of contributing factors. There's BB-8 kind of whisk, like beeps and boops something at him, like, hey, buddy, like, can you help me out here? I got, I got the maps. And the fact that Starkiller's been killed and the resistance is back and everyone's kind of talking about it around him, like it's like a distant voice in his in his head kind of but it, it kind it kind of triggers that like kind of triggers him out of his coma and he at the same time he's just kind of finished processing all that information and he does have that other part of the map yeah i mean that's kind of jj's story it seems like they had to do a bunch of gymnastics to make that fit but that's that's generally the gist he was collating and sorting through all that data it's weird that it took him that long to get around to it I guess that's another coincidental, happy coincidence type thing, but yeah. Because okay. reasons. Carlos, did you did you have anything that you wanted to add to this? Um, I don't want to get negative, but I think it, it honestly, it's just it's lazy writing. Like this, well, that, that's what they kind of said too. Like, like what I was saying, like about it, they had to. They the the, the genesis of the idea for this kind of came from how can we introduce R2? And they were like, well, he's got to be a 3PO. And the other, like, I think it was, uh, Arndt was like, Michael Arndt. No, yeah. Michael Arndt. He was like, he's like, no, like you want to do it individually. Cause he's such a, uh, a prominent character, you know, like you want him to, you want it to hit you in the feels when he comes back and there's going to be a reason behind it. Well, wasn't it Kasdan that, that told Arndt to split them up? Am I, am I misremember? Am I not recording? I can't remember. It could be like, it could be what you're saying too, but, there, there was a disagreement there saying, no, they should be together and no, R2 should be uh, on his own, kind of a reintroduction of, of a character. And it also moves the, the plot forward in a significant way. Yeah, but the thing is, is that they actually introduce him under under uh, a tarp. Like BB-8 tries to get him to to wake up. And the, the fact that he, he wakes up when... Uh, only when Ray is around, or maybe the the, the uh, Anakin's uh, lightsaber is around, it, they're trying. It's JJ again doing JJ things, of like, ooh, maybe like there's something special about it. Like maybe she's supposed to register, like her her uh, life essence, or you know, maybe he's able to like distinguish who's around him. I, I don't know, man. It it sucks in a way that 
I don't want to crap on the on the movie or anything, but like I, I we spoke about this earlier. It's just that the, the Force Awakens just it keeps keeps dropping on my list, and um, it, it's for choices like this, like yeah, well, just, I, it just I, happens. I, and then in the Last Jedi, he's he's asleep on the Falcon and only wakes up when Luke is there. So it's like kind of you want to you want to say, you know, there's a reason. Like, but there isn't. It's it's kind of weird. Yeah, one of the things that really concern me about this trilogy is just how little R two and three PO have had to do. Like they're just there. Like they they they're conspicuous by their absence. Like they don't do anything at all. And I find that weird. Like all throughout the OT, they're they were really key characters, and here they do nothing. Really, That's really it, nothing. Like- it's kind of weird. BB-8's kind of become the leg man, kind of. I, I I get the whole, you know, new characters, new generation, handing off the torch, all that stuff. But I kind of think that doesn't have to apply to the droids, to Chewie. Like, I feel like the, the sidekick characters can just keep tagging on. Especially since they, you know, droids can live forever and Chewie, Chewie can live hundreds of years. Like, I feel like those characters should just carry through. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping for a more significant role for R2 in uh, Episode Nine. I don't. I don't know that you're going to get it. This is Ab- Abrams is the guy who came up with BB-8, so he's gonna he's gonna give glory to his guy, and it makes sense. You've you've brought BB-8 this far. You're not going to just suddenly write him out and put R2 back in the spotlight. R2 it, can still show him a thing or two. Well, that's, that's that's what you're hoping. Anyway, so here's a quote from Entertainment Weekly. I think this is a, a Bresnikan piece from way back when. Uh, So uh, we had the idea about R2 plugging into the information base of the Death Star, and that's how he was able to get the full map and where to find uh, and to where the Jedi temples are, aren't said. Abram says he chose to spell this out indirectly in the movie because he didn't want the story to get bogged down in how bleep happened 30 years ago. But the idea that in that scene where R2 plugged in, he downloaded the archives of the Empire, which was referenced by Kylo Ren, Abram said. 38 years later, in both our own and galactic time, that data becomes useful in The Force Awakens when a new droid approaches the dormant R2. Quote, BB-8 comes up and says something to him, which is basically, I've got this piece of a map. Do you happen to have the rest? Abram said. The idea was R2, who, uh, who has been all over the galaxy, is still in his coma, but he hears this, and it triggers something that would ultimately wake him up. And then uh, the director acknowledges that R2's sudden awakening at the end was designed to be an emotional storytelling utility. While it may seem, you know, completely lucky and an easy way out, at that point in the movie, when you've lost a person desperately and somebody you hopefully care about is unconscious, you want someone to return. So yeah, Carlos, I mean, it kind of goes back to what you said. And they're almost admitting it here. It's like, "Eh, it's convenient, it's lucky, it's, it's a little bit lazy. Just because they, they wanted to sort of put put some soothing ointment on the uh, the Han Solo wound, and that that's that. That's how that answer yeah, works just, out. There's a lot of things in that movie that could have just, I mean, that could have used an extra six months. On the, <laughs> JJ you know, already had his extra six months. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Anyways, it's, it's it's a fun movie. It's good, but just like 
there's a lot of stuff about uh, about R2 that uh, that I feel like they're pushing him off to the side and they're just you're using for nostalgia. It's cool. I understand it. And you know what? If you look at it throughout the galaxy and even um, even in the resistance, there are multiple BB units. So, I mean, it's the new droid. It's normal when you got a new ship. Like, X, X-Wings weren't in um, uh, Attack of the Clones or, you know, it's it's a newer type of ship. And That's like the I, T-1000. <laughs> Wait, Carlos hasn't seen I, Terminator. What? Yeah, I know what T one thousand is. Like, <laughs> T like, two. Come on. Okay, let's. No, yeah. stop. <laughs> Bradley, there you go. There's there there is the answer for you. Uh, so thank you, Bradley, and uh, we'll look forward to next week's Bradley banter. All right, now on to Katie's question this week. Katie says, hey guys, question for this week is, what is your favorite R2-D2 moment? That little droid has been everywhere and done a lot. Mine has got to be when he shows Luke the Princess Leia hologram in The Last Jedi. It shows that his relationship with Luke is strong and he knows it will be the key to to turning him around. As always, keep up the great work and catch you next time. Alright, Corey, this is is R2, it's your guy. This is Ad's guy too, I want to hear what Ad's answer to this would be. What's your favorite R2 moment? Well, I can't disagree with Katie either. That That's a very poignant scene from The Last Jedi. Like, total hit you in the feels. I really, really love that. That's the whole reason why Ryan had asked JJ to put uh, R2 on the Falcon. Yeah. Uh, but it, it doesn't work. Like, well, Luke, it, it's, Luke does, uh, it's kind of like... It doesn't really do anything to Luke. He's not going back. Well, you, you see him come back for a second there and... You know, it's like he loses himself for a second. You know, like he's taken so aback that. But um, no, I, def- I have to. I have to disagree. Like, like uh, he actually, uh, after seeing that message from from Artu, he uh, he wakes Ray from her sleep and says, "Okay, I will train you. Like, I will teach you the ways of the Force and why the Jedi have to end." It's it's Artu that actually instigates uh, Luke to change his mind about that. So I, I think it, it is kind of the necessary thing. Um, yeah, what so. happens? Okay. Yeah. W- what happens after, uh, you know, uh, seeing, you know, the, the Skype hand touch like th- that, that throws Luke off and like tells her to leave the Island. But otherwise he was, he was there to, 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 to you know, uh, be the teacher that Obi-Wan was to him. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, um, well, all right, so Corey, what is your favorite moment? Uh, I just want to give a few nods here, like at least. <laughs> no, you get you get one because you're going to steal say, ours. What a prequel love, the Phantom Menace shield generator. I'm sure you guys don't have that. That was a great introduction for the character, I'd say. Like touching back on the prequels, like. You know, that was one of the things that actually worked for me in theaters the first time. You're like, hey, there's R2. Here's where he makes a name for himself. You know what I mean? Like, that little droid's going to do it, you know? Extremely well put together droid. <laughs> Is there anything less uh, less Naboo than an astromech droid? Like, everything is gleaming and well-designed and ornate. And then here's this garbage can. Meh. Like, R- R2 units do not fit in. 
I know. I guess they're they're galaxy wide technology, so you need to make sure your your gear is is compatible. But yeah, I'm not, those those are not Nebu type droids. Well, when I got to think about this question, I guess you know, I'll save some for you guys. But I guess oh, thank you. Looking <laughs> looking at the or thinking about this anyhow, the the hologram from a new hope like when you start thinking about that like i was like wow like you know we always said that obi-wan is pantaloons on fire you know like he he's playing everybody but really r kind of playing the whole lot of them <laughs> if you think about it like what message like he's totally playing them yeah well up like until he, that whole point he's he's totally jerking c-3po's chain and luke's chain about he he has to get loose. He's got to get he's got to get to Obi Wan. Exactly. So like I really I like that part of it, and like you know the the receiving of the information too is so iconic, and just the whole the whole hologram thing. It even leads into Katie's question kind of too. It's a bit of a loophole, Katie actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> even his interaction with Yoda though in in uh, Empire, you know, like when Yoda's trying to piss off Luke. He's got the light, um, the flashlight in his hand, and like, he just, yeah, he just comes with his little like grappling claw there, like grabs it. I love that interaction between those two. Yeah, you got to wonder now in retrospect, do we have to change our view of that scene to be like, well, they're all kind of playing Luke because why? Like R two knows who Yoda is. Why would he be doing a tug of war with Yoda? You know what I mean? Like, well, even. Further than that, like, say the same thing about In A New Hope. Like, R2 and, and Obi-Wan actually seem like strangers where they're actually not. No, I think what the line that Obi-Wan says is, um, well, Luke says, this droid says he belongs to you. And Obi-Wan, all he says is, I don't recall ever owning a droid. Which is true. He never owned R2-D2. Yeah, he played semantics. Yeah. But exactly. it's, it's, it's it's in the acting too, though. Like, you see him when he's doing that. He's like, he's got his hand on his chin and he's leaning back. Like, it's, I mean, it's obviously something looking back on in hindsight. You can see that it's something that's written in. Well, no, this is this is before when they made that when A New Hope was was made, like Luke being Vader's son, none of that stuff was a thing. So all these, you know, when the message is playing back in full to Obi-Wan and Leia's talking about the Clone Wars, there's a look that Kenobi shoots over to Luke. To Luke, And it's it's like Kenobi's memories are all coming back to him and he knows this whole thing is starting up again. And it's like, oh, God. And it's such a it's a great acting moment from from Alec Guinness. But it's all that it's, it's all happenstance. Like we look back at that and go, man, it's a good thing he looked over at Luke that way. Because it makes so so much sense, but none of the information, none of that context even existed then. Well, no, but original, I'm saying... originally he was supposed to find out that Obi Wan had killed his father. Yeah. But, uh, anyways, when you come back to R two, it's the way they set it up because they had obviously they have hindsight. They were able to go back and say, um, you know, let's make that line in a new hope make sense. And I think they did it. It's, it was actually a nice tie-in for me when when I first, like when I saw 
uh, A New Hope after watching the prequels, it was it was clear to me like that's not like they retconned it well. Yeah, it still yeah, it kind of works for me. I don't I don't have a, I don't really have a problem with that. Like of all like considering how fluid Star Wars is or was when Lucas was making it, that's by far not the weirdest thing. Oh, um, no, definitely not. No. Okay, so Corey, do we have your fa- your favorite moment yet? Yeah, we're going with the holograms. I'm not going to I'll leave the pit of carcoon for someone else. <laughs> all right, there you go. Carlos, what's your favorite R2 moment? Well, my favorite uh, R2 moment uh, is uh, from uh, episode one to uh, six. Uh, it's everything. Uh, so you have nothing left to say. <laughs> no, what about uh, the Clone Wars, man? No. And um, I really love R2 um, in Empire Strikes Back. Like, uh, three POs in a net being lugged around by Chewbacca and he's buzzing and beeping and whirling around and he gets the information about the um, the uh, hyperspace on the Falcon being turned off and it's just it's just awesome that's like one of my favorite uh, not only R2 moments but also 3PO moments where it's like he actually plays all you know He's very self-centered, and he's like, "Don't." Uh, well, the three people always self-centered. Falcon. Yeah, exactly. So it's, uh, but it, it played it played well. And I think that that whole interaction with them running around on Bespin, for me, that's my favorite. That's like when I think of R two, that's what I think of. Yeah, same here. Like that whole sequence, R two R two makes it all happen. He's he's opening like the opening of the door. Just open yeah. the door, you stupid lump! Like when he finally cracks open the door, that's that is my favorite R two moment. And of yeah, course, blowing the smoke. It's all it's all under underpinned with with John Williams. I feel like every time there's a yes. favorite character moment, it's it's half responsible for, uh, to to John Williams. But yeah, like he he blows the the uh, the, the smoke for the distraction, fixing the hyperdrive. Like R two is just a, a boss in that whole sequence. It's like he always seems to know what's going on. Yeah, he's he's he all, yeah he's got he's got everything straight. He knows he's he's got all the balls in the air. He's he's handling everything. He's amazing. Yeah, and it kind of it makes me sad seeing how he's like literally like a you know just a bit player now. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, that's what I was saying before. It's it's yeah. it's sad to see them relegated to the background. And I love BBA. BBA, that honestly, it's like um, I, I really, really love that droid. But they, they could give like, why not have a tag team droid thing happen? You know, like write a scene that like. Trust me, in episode nine, we're gonna find out that BB-8 is R two's son. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Katie, thank you very much. Great question again. There's so many good R2 moments. Nobody went for for anything in Jedi. Curi- that's that's curious. I thought that was low-hanging fruit in the sense that I thought for sure someone was going to say the lightsaber toss. That's a great scene, too. Got to give that a nod. Yeah, I thought it was a bit cheesy, but whatever. What about his battle R- with Goldie in the Clone Wars? 
That's true too. That was pretty classic. <laughs> oh yes, yes, yes. The uh, the the cheater there. Well, not the cheater, but the the mole. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. that he also he, he also assembles like a a broken down droid army in one. I think it's the Mandalorian arc. Like basically all the. Yeah, there's all these broken down droids that are horrible. Like they're all missing limbs and stuff, and they're all like, it's like a, something out of a horror movie. They're all like, "Help us!" and like they're all like kind of crawling to him. It's super creepy, and R two's all scared. Then finally, like clip back toward the end of the, uh, of that episode, and R two's like repaired them all, and he's got a pretty much a, a droid army. Yeah, I gotta go back and check that one out. A droid factory, some would say. <laughs> pretty cool. All right, Katie, thanks again. We'll hear from you again next week. All right, next up, we're going to check in with Ryan Bullock. You can catch up with him on Twitter at Razakiren. Hey there, Ryan, how's it going? Thanks for the question. And it sounds like this. Who do you think is the most complex complex character? And who do you relate to the most? Carlos, you want to you tackle uh, complex character? Let's do this one first. Let's do complex character first and why. A complex character, Palpatine, hands down. Uh, I I just want to know so much more. I want to see why he does the things he does. Um, I I just yeah, I'm 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 enthralled with 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 Palpatine. He's a great villain. Such a good villain. That's a good answer. He had the galaxy by the balls at one point, moment, man. Like he, he really, he had a grand scheme. He had a master plan. Yeah. <laughs> Are you sure? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and it's it's this is something I've I've always wanted to like uh, bring into the show, and just like you know how when you look at the original trilogy, like uh, you see uh, Wahoo. Uh, Waher, uh, the the the, the bar, bartender in the cantina. Wooher, Wooher, Wooher. Yeah, that's it. Sorry. And um, as soon as the droids walk in, he's like, "Nah, we don't serve their kind here." Like this, like overt racism, or yeah, I guess you could call it that. I, but, I always saw it more as they don't buy drinks. <laughs> no, I. But you know what? When you look at the prequels. There's a lot of good things about the prequels when when they retcon a lot of a lot of the stuff that we see later on, but the fact that the war in the Republic was because of the Trade Federation and the Droid Army, and then when the Jedi uh, the Jedi are eliminated, Palpatine one of his first tasks are shut down all droids, right? So it's like it's. I think the people in the galaxy have a little bit of a, of a, of a hate, a hate for the droids because they, they're like brainwashed. Like I, I get you, man. They they feel like they're the bad guys, almost like the Jedi. The, exactly. Like they they cause so much damage and destruction in our galaxy. These droids. So you're not welcome here. I just that's one thing that I really really enjoyed, and I know this is a little side tangent. Uh, hopefully Kyle doesn't cut it out of the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good. That's a that is, that is a salient point. Yeah, because the Empire. Yeah, you. 
easily you could you could make the case that the empire poisoned much of the galaxy against the jedi through propaganda and erasing any evidence of the jedi being around and also painting uh, uh, droids as villains as well yeah yeah that's a good call i will not cut that from the show uh okay Corey, who's your most complex character Oh, I almost want to say Snoke just because of the unknown regions and what he's come to accomplish as well, like on a Palpatine level. Uh, but I'm actually going to go with the, just I'm torn between two here. I got I got Kylo Ren. Pick one. Just... <laughs> Pick one. OK, well, I'll tell you this then, Ryan. It's between Kylo and Lando. Uh, La- Lando's very complex. <clears throat> We've heard Donald Glover say that as well. He's always got his ABCD plan all the way to Z. Uh, he's just always scheming. He's always got a backup plan. So there, there's a lot of complexity to that character. And um, Kylo Ren as well. Stop. I'm going to go with Kylo. You're done. done. The- no, nope. you said Lando. I'm taking Kylo. He's the most complex character for me yeah. ever. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. It seems so obvious, but I mean, you just got to go there. But for me, it's more for Adam Driver's performance and, and knowing everything he's been through as well. Yeah, I mean, it's just... Knowing, knowing his his family, right? Like Han, Leia, Luke; these are great people. And Snoke, it's more Snoke for me, man. Like just the fact that like, you got these great people surrounding him, but still he was worm tongued. He was manipulated, torn. Like just such a torn character. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm tempted to put Luke in this conversation as well, especially given what we've seen of him in uh, the, the Last Jedi. And of course, he was a central character in the OT. So I mean, there's there's plenty of, of of fodder there to put Luke into this into this mix. But yeah, I'm going with Kylo. Like his, his his story is just so dense. There's still so much left to unpack. And Kylo's perform uh, Adam Driver's performance is just so powerful and nuanced. It's just so packed with emotion. Again, like he's the direct descendant of three heroes, but still like evil just comes in and, and usurps the whole thing and the mommy and daddy issues i still want to there's some there's there's so much to that you know what i mean like if there's just so much waiting to burst out from from the pages or uh if if, it, if it's going to appear on screen i don't know but yeah it's it's for me it's kylo easily and it it, it all comes across in in adam driver's conflicted perf- uh, performances the fact, like, killing his father, like, still that didn't help him on his path, just, like, drove the wedge further in between. Like, that interplay, like, the, that play with Leia, where he's about to, like, shoot down the Radis on the bridge, like, that was just intense. Well, like, think- seeing that in the theater for the first time was, like, like we all didn't know at that point, like, is he going to do it? Is he not going to do it, you know? Well, I think, think we just talked about the Han Solo trailer and how Beckett tells Han that everybody's going to betray you and then he's eventually he's murdered by his own son Ooh, that's cool you know is that fair is that a fair thing to say is that a betrayal or is it, is it kind of just desserts for han i think han went out there knowing full well that, that was that was a very good possibility but he had to try man he manned up bro i still think han Figured that he would have got he he was gonna pull it off and bring Kylo back. He talks his way out of it every time. 
regardless, even if he didn't, and if he knew he couldn't, he had to try and he did. Yeah, no, he, he had to do it. Uh, yeah, there you go. That's that. all right. So we've done our most complex character. Ryan's second question. Who do you relate to the most, Corey? That's I, tough, I think, man. Yeah, this is this is tricky, man. Like, like personally, I'm a pretty benign guy. Like, I've grown up with relatively few challenges compared to most of the heroes in these movies. But uh, I don't know. Like, can you just say farm farm boy Luke? Because after that, I think the question becomes much harder to answer. But w- w- what do you got? To be honest, I don't necessarily have one answer because, like you said, like most of these characters are <laughs> you don't you don't have sur- one answer. No. Well, I kind of do, but like, I I can't even use it. Like the one character that I would choose, I can't, I don't know, man. It just seems so cliche. Like most of these guys are all surrounded by tragedy. Like you said, like there's always these circumstances surrounding them that make it ah, just so deep and pertinent. Like uh, I don't, I don't want to be like, you know, just some farmer, but like, I can kind of relate to Han on a few levels, you know, like I've had some, some fallouts and relationships and stuff and always tried to play things a bit cool and whatever, like, but it just seems so cliche to say that. But to be honest, like, uh, I love Han's character arc and we're going to get more of that with his, his movie, like a more understanding of that character, like how he could have possibly been this really nice guy. And by the end of Jedi, you know, he's come full circle. Like he's not this, you know, we've seen an empire. He's got more responsibility, and he's he's not just like flyboy anymore uh, anymore. And by the time Jedi comes around, like he's like full on general. Like, uh, so I kind of like that. You know, like the evolution of how, of how he became a man throughout that series, not just that brashness. And you know, even though it takes that, uh, and, and this yeah. is how you see yourself. <sighs> said like what do you want me to say like i'm not gonna say like uh, i don't know like like i get the whole luke thing too just because you know i i actually do live in farm country a bit but uh i i can't see myself really as any of these characters they're all so grand and emboldened you know like it's it's uh it's a it's an opera like luckily my my life's not exactly an opera so so they're all grand yeah, Gron. Don't. Well, he has I yet su- to surpass himself. <laughs> Carlos, who do you relate to the most in this whole giant saga? All right, so now that the rambling's done, um, I'm going to say Anakin. Uh, there's, uh, I've I've never been a slave. But um, you have no mother or father. No, I do. Uh, <laughs> or just a mother. But <laughs> the, <laughs> what a jackass! Um, <laughs> You're the chosen one. Yeah, there's like this. This. I mean, I, I've I've gone through like a lot of uh, personal tragedy, like not being able. Uh, I had a fiance that died in a car crash and not being able to like Jesus. stop that from happening. It's like uh, a lot of times people say you could live your life uh, through uh, movies and uh, like you put yourself 
it's a way to be empathetic by putting yourself in the shoes of the uh, uh, antagonist. But um, if you do it too much, you, there, there's also a narcissism involved with that. And I think Anakin has a little bit of that 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 narcissism, uh, which is why he lost uh, both legs and another arm. And um, yeah, so I would say th- there's there's a lot of stuff that eats up at me. And um, as an artist, I think that's what kind of fuels me. So I would say, uh, yeah, Anakin is my uh, the one that I I see myself in most. Well, the good news is it, it all turns out golden for him at the end. <laughs> yeah, he just needs a little bit more sun, <laughs> and, then, and not yeah, not being electrocuted by his boss. Yeah, that too. Still, thirty <laughs> years to pay in that aqua lung is is not cool, or what is it? Twenty years? It's long enough. That's, that's what it is. Uh, I, I I don't know. Like I thought about this one for a while because, like, there are default answers, right? Like Farm Boy Luke, I think is the default answer, and I I don't think that's a surprise because I think he was almost written that way. Luke was designed for for most for a lot of kids to sort of latch onto, but. I'm staying close to that to that place, and I'm I'm gonna go off the board a bit and say Uncle Owen. I I just think like as a dad now, bringing up kids into a really messed up world, all I want to do is kind of protect them from that and keep keep them away from all that stuff. The, the same way he wanted to uh, protect Luke, and maybe he was a bit overbearing and you know willing to keep his children isolated to keep them out of trouble. I, I relate to those feelings for sure. So today where I stand, yeah. it's I'm going to go uh, off the board with Uncle Owen. I like that one, man. That was a good. Uh... He's got too much of his father in him. <laughs> That's what I'm afraid of. Exactly. Well done, guys. Well done. That wasn't that was not scripted. We didn't rehearse that. That was that was excellent. <laughs> Yeah, all right, there you go. Ryan, great questions, man. Thanks thanks a ton. Ryan also recently jumped into the uh the the closed Facebook group, so drop him a message. Shout him out. <laughs> get get him out of the the shadows and make him say hi. Yeah, Ryan, you you are the man, brother. There you go. And we'll wrap the show up with the Metal Mando and we'll take a listen to his voicemail here. Hey guys, Jeff here from sunny Fort Myers, Florida. Going to change it up a little bit this week. Got a couple questions from the Mrs. Metal Mando. Me and my wife, we watched The Last Jedi again this weekend, and there's a couple things that caught her attention. She thought um, she'd throw out at you guys and see what your opinions might be on that. The first one is, what's going on with Ray's staff? My wife has uh, just been fascinated by Ray's staff and the first time she saw it in Force Awakens, and including this movie, and... Last time we saw the staff, he picked it up on the ground from Octo, the little uh, kind of mini skirmish with Luke there, and flew away in the Millennium Falcon, and I'm pretty sure we never saw it again. And so what do you think is going to happen with this? Um, you know, we know we still, she still has it, and she has those uh, crystals that were kind of torn apart in two pieces there with her and Kylo in the throne room scene. Do you think they're going to incorporate these crystals into constructing a new lightsaber 
which my wife does not believe, but she thinks they're going to take these two crystals and somehow incorporate those into her staff. Could we possibly see half a crystal on each end of the staff and that working? Or she pulls, you know, each end of the ends of the staff off at some point and connects them to make some amazing new lightsaber we've never seen before. And so what do you think is going to happen with her staff and those crystals that were broken in half at the end of the movie there? I mean, she mentioned that. I was like, I thought that was pretty interesting. So I'm glad she's throwing that one out there at you guys. And hey, guys, for this week, uh, this is the Mr. and Mrs. Metal Mando, and we are out of here, guys. Bye. All right, there goes the Metal Mando. Wrapping things up here with episode 121. All right, guys, what do we make of Ray's staff and the broken Skywalker saber? Is is there any kind of mashup here happening in the future, Corey? Hey, you know what? I, I've mentioned this for a long time. Like, I'm, I've been talking, like, since Force Awakens style. Like, personally, it wouldn't surprise me. Secondly, I actually think her staff does resemble something of that nature. Uh, just like that cone shape on it. Like, I've always kind of got that bit of a vibe. Thirdly, she really does have to... She does have a good fighting stance or style with that staff. She's used to it. She's used it before. Uh, so, frankly, it, it really would not surprise me. And, um, you know, marketing-wise, they're always looking to make new savers. So, it, it it really wouldn't surprise me. And uh, I think you guys are onto something. I, I, I think that uh, there's... There's a good chance. It's a 50-50 in my opinion. It's not necessarily like, oh, she has the standard saber. Like, I think Ray's her own character. Like, she, it's been very clear in this film throughout this saga thus far that she's going to choose her own path, even if it's different. She's going to rewrite the, the Jedi history books, man. Yeah, there's, yeah, some good points in there. Carlos, do you want to add to that? Yeah, for I, I definitely see her with the double-bladed lightsaber. I think it would be awesome to have um, that come in, especially considering that when we have seen it in the past, it was uh, for Maul and a, a dark character, and it would be nice to see it in a, in a light side character. So, um, and uh, yeah, she's very proficient with that, uh, with that staff. And uh, no pun intended. And um, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> we almost made it through. We almost got to the end. Uh, yeah, so that, that for me that would be cool. I mean, you know, since the, the the crystal's broken in half, I don't know what that means. I don't know if it means that uh, it's it's not worthy to build a lightsaber with, or does it just become two blades now? Well, is yeah, the, she has to find her own. Is the crystal broken in half or just the saber broken in half? I, I was on the impression that it was just a saber. I, I didn't necessarily notice that it was the crystal, but uh, Jeff seemed pretty convinced there. You uh, on both sides. I, I, I kind of double-checked to make sure. And uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's split in the middle uh, where the, the crystal was. So I, I could be wrong. And... Uh, if I am wrong, you can hit me up on Twitter at uh, Chop Rules with a Z. <laughs> well, either way, I'm with you and the wifey there, man. Like, there, there's been something significant <clears throat> about this staff throughout this saga. I mean, it's only two films, but there's definitely an attachment. She brought it with her. I mean, again, it's only two films uh, that 
you know, for us, it's been two years, but for them, it's been maybe two weeks to a month. So, you know, there's that to take into consideration, but just the fact that, again, that she's very familiar with it and stuff, uh, she could definitely very well customize something to her own liking. Yeah, I mean, I, I've always seen this as like, as as we might see a teddy bear or a safety blanket. Like, this, this to me is like, it's... That staff is her teddy bear and her safety blanket. It re- represents her past. It's what she knows. It makes her feel safe. And now she's got this tug of war uh, between her comfort and her abilities with the staff and having to learn to use a lightsaber. So I, I know, Corey, like what you said, that, you know, the, the, the merchandising aspect of it, which, which is a thing. And, uh, you know, I, I, Carlos, you mentioned to, like to bookend the saga, like episode one and episode nine, with with a, a dark and light side user. That's an, a a cool Lucas esque symmetry that maybe they might use. I, but Corey, you you did touch touch on something that I I think is important. Like like we've seen in this trilogy that Ray is is a character kind of defining herself, right? Like she's. To this point, uh, she's separate from any family lineage. She's her, she's her own being. Her parents aren't a, a, a part of the story yet. So narrati- narratively, I think it makes sense for her to merge her past with her present and her future with the lightsaber into this kind of hybrid weapon. You know, I think that kind of, like from a story perspective, that makes sense. Like if she's going to be this new breed of Jedi, then... Maybe it makes sense to wield some kind of new hybrid weapon. Like, that's not the weapon of the Jedi. Yeah, well, it's what works for me and it's comfortable. So I'm just going to go ahead and use that. It's like, that's exactly it. That's what Luke was telling you, girl. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I, I personally, I, I don't think I like it very much. I, I like my standard lightsaber. I, I'm not a huge fan of, of Maul's double-sided lightsaber. I just I just like my classic sabers and I selfishly I hope that's what she ends up with. But from a story perspective, I can I can see them doing something like that. The pieces do fit. Sabercopter. Oh, no. <laughs> no. That would be the absolute worst. <laughs> but yeah, I I I yeah, I that's where I see that. A- anything else to add there, guys? No, no I'm good, good. Good call. Yeah, it was a good call. I think, I think the chances are high, man. Like 50-50 or more, man. Well, it's either yes or no. So 50-50 is kind of your, your options. Way to call that one, Corey. Loophole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Well, that's it, guys. That brings us to the end. We got through another episode unscathed. Great show. Hopefully we can, hopefully we can say the same for everybody listening. We're, we're, we're sorry, everybody. We promise to do, do better next time. All right, guys, let's get out of here. Uh, Carlos, where can people find you? You can find me uh, at uh, carloscandidromusic.com and uh, patreon.com slash carloscreates. That's right. That la- launched uh, last week. So go check, go check that out, everybody. Carlos is going to be creating some music, some more podcasts. So yeah, check that out. Check it out his Patreon page. And Corey, where can people find you? Well, let me tell you, Kyle and Carlos and everybody listening, you all can find me 
at Chop Rules with a Z. Excellent. And you can find me across the board at Tumbling Saber, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Come say hello. And uh, please, the invitation is open. You want to join our, our closed Facebook group and come nerd out about Star Wars? You are more than welcome to do that. That's, uh, yeah, just just search for the groups on, on Facebook. Tumbling Saber will be there. Don't don't choose the page. I'm kind of letting that thing fade into obscurity. Just join the group and I'll, I'll let you in right off right away. So that's it. Uh, and again, if you, while, you, while you're checking out Car- uh, Carlos's uh, Patreon page, check out ours as well at uh, patreon.com slash tumbling saber and uh, sign up for just a couple bucks a month and become a powerful friend and get access to all kinds of exclusive podcasts and monthly draws. Our, our prize draws are always awesome. We love giving stuff away and we'll do so again at the end of this month. And also, if you're looking for some really cool podcast content, Go check out StarWarsCommonwealth.com and you'll find all of our podcasting friends uh, doing just more and more better and better work all the time, week after week. So go check that out, StarWarsCommonwealth.com or you can look up Star Wars Commonwealth on Apple Podcasts. And that's it. This week, Powerful Friends get another edition of Sith Disturbers. We'll be sitting down with these two clowns again this week to... uh, Who knows what we're going to talk about? I have no idea. But it's going to be fun. I know that much. So... Looking forward to that. And otherwise, thank you all so much for listening to episode 121. And we'll catch you next time. Looking at that show. Pages getting wider like a mirror to myself. Struggle for the answers. Questions frighten me. Circles getting wider. It's harder just to see. Through my spine Wait for the warmth of your